0: episode of Spawned is brought to you by Epic, the children's app featuring an award-winning digital library. Epic provides kids 12 and under with unlimited access to over 25,000 of the best books, learning videos, and more, all personalized for each child based on reading levels and interests. Plus, spawn listeners, you get two months of EPIC free with the promo code COOLMOM through October 2nd when you visit GetEpic.com. That's two months free with code COOLMOM at GetEpic.com. Hello and welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase, and we're without Liz Gumbiner tonight. Boo! Liz is at her back to school night, so I'm taking over Spawn tonight, but I've got a very special guest, so stay tuned. As you probably already know, we are the co-founders of CoolMompicks.com, and on today's episode of Spawn, We're going to be talking about digital and tech health for parents and how we can instill that in our kids with special guest, Dr. Mike Brooks. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. But first, let me talk a little bit about our awesome guest. Dr. Mike Brooks is a licensed psychologist and licensed specialist in school psychology. He received his doctorate in educational psychology from the University of Texas at Austin. We love Austin. And he's got a wealth of expertise in technology, gaming addiction, and positive psychology, the needs of children and teens, and effective parenting practices, which we we know that you spawned listeners, and we hear Cool Mom Picks love. He's got a website called techhappylife.com, and this is so exciting. He's got a new book out. It just came out in August. It's called "Tech Generation: Raising Balanced Kids in a Hyperconnected World." Welcome, Dr. Brooks.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Wow.
0: We—I say we because I'm so used to having Liz, but I know that she would say the same thing. We are so excited to talk to you. There's a lot of buzz about this topic. You know, you wrote a book about it, so I just want to dive right in. You use balance in the title of your book, and We want to talk about balance because that's so important, but it feels so difficult not just for kids but for us as well. And my concern is that if we can't balance our own tech use or digital use, how do we teach it to our kids? Can you help with that?
1: I I will try. Not an easy question. You're not giving me the (laughs) softballs.
0: Starting right off the bat here.
1: I always joke that I like the easy questions so it makes me look smart. But um, (laughs) my soapbox is that when we're trying to get our kids to reduce their screen time often, and we're on the screens about as much as they are. And there's a sizable proportion of teens who view parents as addicted to their cell yes. phones. So it's, yes. it's kind of like if we're trying to get our kids to eat healthy, but we're eating cheesy poops in front of them and telling them to eat carrot sticks, it just is very difficult for that to fly. And the <laughs> harsher thing I'd say is that if we don't get our own screen use in order, It is really difficult to get our kids to reduce their digital footprint because the, you know, do as I say, not as I do, just doesn't hold much weight. So I always think it's important to get our own house in order before we start telling our kids that they need (laughs) to get theirs in order. Yeah. Well, you
0: know, I'm sorry because parents are really focused on this, right? Like we're so like our kids are on too much. Our kids are on screens too much. And I wonder if a lot of that energy is really because we ourselves kind of know maybe subliminally that we are on too much. And so it's our way of kind of managing our own issue with it. It's like if I can control it somewhere else, yes, maybe it'll affect me. I don't know. That's
1: getting pretty deep. No, I think you hit the nail on the head, Kristen. And this is a funny thing that comes up in the research is when you ask People, how is screen use affect you? Is your screen use out of balance? And my uh, colleague, Dr. John Lasser, and I—that you know, he's my co-author—we created a family assessment of screen time, oh, and, <laughs> and we, we've piloted this. Yeah, and so people rate from zero to ten on this scale of the screen balance, with five being it's just about right, it's in balance. If it's above that, then it's starting to get too much. And then if it's under that, then it's too little. And what we found is, and especially with uh, kids when we've done this, they'll rate themselves as just maybe a little bit out of balance, but Uh. then we have them rate what about most kids their age, their peers, their family members? They'll rate everyone else as way out of balance, but themselves <laughs> not so much. So uh, so we yes. tend to see the problem in others a lot more than we see it in ourselves. Sure. And some of the research um, bears that out is that Teens will recognize the overuse of screens as a pretty significant problem in general. But when you ask, do you have a significant problem yourself with it, they'll say, eh, not too bad.
0: <laughs> Teens. Yes. The, the new iOS 12. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's got the screen time tracker in there. So you can actually track how much you're on your phone now.
1: I did. And I'm still on iOS 11. Me too. But I to, when did that come out? Just. Did it come just, out? Just. Yeah, just. It just did. It just okay. did.
0: And I'm with you. I'm admittedly a little afraid for my own self. And what's interesting in my case, and I, we talked about this a little bit. So I'm very vigilant when it comes to my kids. And I'm actually vigilant when it comes to myself, but I think I have a unique situation. But honestly, I know that there are a lot of parents out there like me and like Liz who work online. We work digitally. And we need our phones. Our phones are actually a tool for us. Like, I work on Instagram. I can't really do that from my laptop. I have to use my phone. And so I'm wondering if you have any, you know, hard advice. You can, you can give me the tough love. I can take it. All right. How can I find some balance? And, like, I'm working a couple jobs. You know, it's not even that I'm just, like, working one job and coming home. And it's I'm running a business and also working another job. So I want you to keep that in mind. But tell us or tell me what what I could do just to maybe get a good start and a handle on what I feel like is
1: overuse? Well, a lot of times it's that we work too much. Some people are just texting and social media and and watching YouTube videos for fun. Sure, But a lot of us, we're working a lot. Like you said, when you're doing Instagram and all these things and responding to emails and tweets and things like that, it's part of your job. And it's 24-7 now. It never ends. I cannot even imagine what your inbox looks like. (laughs) Um, I I have trouble keeping up with email. And then you've got Instagram and, you know, Twitter and all the. It's very difficult. And so, when kids view parents online, and I know my wife and I struggle with this too, is we're working and in our minds, we're like, well, we need to work. But from a kid's vantage point, they just see us on the screen and choosing screen time often over them. And I think one way of looking at this is a little bit flipping it on its head and just saying, you know, we all need to create sacred spaces in our lives. Indeed. And I, I think of these is, I don't know what the plural is to oasis, but oasis. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. I'll go with in it. Our lives. I'll go with it. just coin a term there. Okay. Uh, but where we have partitioned it off is kind of a sacred time. And we don't let screen time infringe on it because really screen time, it's infused in every aspect of our lives. But historically, all of our social interaction was in person, like even writing is relatively new from an evolutionary standpoint. Right. And most of our happiness comes from our in-person relationships. Uh, To the extent that we have strong, warm, deep connections, we tend to be pretty happy. And if we think of our happiest moments in life, those have to do with relationships. No one will say, well, my happiest moment in life was I was laying on the couch looking through <laughs> CNN news updates. Well,
0: especially now more than ever, people aren't going to say that. So basically what you're saying is make those sacred spaces. And for some people that could be when they get home from work, that's the sacred space. So their home is a sacred space. I mean, that that would be tough to do, but that's possible. Or maybe, you know, for me, I'm thinking... The bedroom. Yes. Sacred space. Or even the bed. We could just even be more specific because I have an office in my bedroom. So I could say my bed. Yes. Or I could say the couch. Because that's where it kills me, and I'm sure listeners can empathize that you get on the couch, you sit down, you have the TV on, and you're like, Oh, I'll just flip through Twitter. But then but why though? You know, why? So or the dinner table, right? right? So are you saying it can be it could yes. be like places or it could be like literal things that you are Sitting on, like when you're in your easy chair, you don't have your phone
1: exactly. It could be certain rooms of the house, certain times of day. Meals, you said, like going back historically, meals are sacred, like breaking bread, they're very communal. And the research is even the presence of a smartphone diminishes the quality of in person interactions, even when it's not buzzing. So, these are one of those subtle ways, like. I I wanna make clear is I don't wanna demonize technology. I love technology. Yeah, we're with
0: you. And I I love that you have that attitude because I think that there are a lot of people out there that are like, it's either like, yay, tech is awesome or tech is terrible and we have to adopt it, right? It's here, it's helpful, it's changed lives, but it can also get out of hand. And I have to say, when I'm at lunch or like I'm sitting around a table and eating, when someone puts their phone on the table, it's interesting. It changes the vibe for me right away, it does. and I hadn't even thought about it until you brought that up. It totally changes the tone, like it's even like at a family dinner when someone puts their phone on the table, like just just put it away in your bag,
1: put it away. Right. I I haven't seen this bit, but I heard Jerry Seinfeld did a bit where he said, yeah, when you you know you sit down at a meal with someone and they put their cell phone on the table. It's like they're saying, what do you got? Let me see your best shot because I got options here. If you're not any good at conversation, uh, yes. I'm just going to grab my phone here. So you better bring your A game. That's
0: interesting. And it's true. It's like I can be distracted now. Like you're not interesting enough. And I think of this too, you know, like kids at bedtime, like we're walking around with our phones and it's too distracting. So I'm, I'm already right now, you've got me thinking about where I'm going to be finding the balance. And already I'm excited about implementing that. That idea and maybe I imagine you suggest start small right like especially if you're if you're super attached to your phone maybe it's just the table at first and then you move to the couch or maybe it's just the bedroom or whatever right like start right. baby steps
1: right yeah. <laughs> what was that Bill Murray movie with the baby steps uh, what about Bob that was- <laughs> <laughs> Baby steps. It's all oh, about the baby what about steps. Bob? That was a great one. It was. Uh, I'm
0: sailing is my favorite. I'm sailing. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so baby steps. And if we're brave, Okay. And this is this is hard to do. Yes. Is we ask our kids what they think of our technology use because it only needs to bother one person for it to be a problem. Okay. If we don't think it's a problem, but they think it's a problem, yep. and sitting down with them and asking, because there's a lot of kids who view their parents' screen use is problematic. I've literally had teens in session with me weeping because their parents are on the phone too much, and they won't pay attention to them. And it's really sad. That's and- important
0: to mention. And I. it's funny that you say that. Not funny. By funny, I mean depressing. Yes. Because my youngest was like, Mom, I bet that you couldn't put your phone away for 12 hours. And I was like, okay, Enough is enough already. Enough is enough. And it's interesting. We had an author named Anya Kamenetz on who wrote a book called The Art of Screen Time. I've heard
1: of it. Yeah. It's a
0: great book. And one of the things that she recommended was actually saying what you're doing while you're doing it on your phone or your tablet. So if you pick up your phone, right, and you're like, I'm checking my email, it actually tells your kids that you're not like playing an app. Because I think kids, like you said, just kind of assume that you're having fun. Like you're just chilling out, watching YouTube videos just like they are. But there's a chance that you're actually doing work. So one of her tricks was to say what you're doing and what it really was about. It wasn't really about the kids, right? It was actually about you. Because when you're sitting there, you're going, I'm mindlessly scrolling on Facebook. right? <laughs> and you, you say that out loud. You're like oh, wait a second, I'm mindlessly scrolling on Facebook. Like, I need to put this down. Yeah,
1: that's a good approach. And, you know, within limits that may be making us more self-aware, it's kind of like counting your calories when you do that, that you're less likely to eat as much. It holds ourselves accountable, which is why the new tracking with the iOS 12 is good because people tend to vastly underestimate how often they're online and how often they check their phone. It's one of those little delusions we do, thinking it's not a problem. But uh, yeah, again, no. checking with our kids is one of those things, and saying, "Well, when does it bother you?" Because it's very nuanced, and I don't think kids or our society's fallen off a cliff into despair and oblivion. And the research does <laughs> yay! not show that. Well, that's yes, good. Yay. Yay, yay! The good news is that. The bad news is the way we use our technologies, we tend to overuse them because they're very seductive and they're very pervasive. And the way we use them tends to quietly leach away our happiness and productivity without us being aware of it, ah. would be what I'd say. So okay. it's in the background, and it's so subtle, we don't notice it. And there's research to show this, like one of the studies, this uh, guy, uh, Dr. Adrian Ward at University of Texas did, you might run across it, it was the brain drain, he called it, mm. it was the presence of a cell phone diminished our cognitive capacity. So just that they had undergrads, of course, Right, it's either uh, white rats or undergrads for all these (laughs) sticks.
0: Oh man, (laughs) yes, but
1: they had the undergrads do various cognitive tests with either, and it was silenced a cell phone either present on the table or is under a bag or it was in another room. And they looked at their performance, and what happened was when the cell phone was present either on the table or in a bag next to the table their cognitive performance was diminished. It was only when it was out of room altogether did they do their maximum performance. But when they were asked, did it make a difference having the phone present? Did it affect your performance? They all said no, or majority said no, it didn't affect me at all. So that's the lack of awareness we have is we don't think it's affecting us, but it is. And that's the same with teens. when They think, well, it doesn't really affect me, but I see how it might affect some other people, but not me. Now, Um, you know,
0: Common Sense just did a study and you know what you're talking about was something that came up because they found that teens are feeling much more positive than negative effects of screens. But I feel like... You know, maybe, again, it's parents looking at them and saying, you know, looking outside themselves and saying, no, you have a terrible problem. But is there something to that? Is it what you're talking about? Or is it possible that they're digital natives? Or is that we as parents who are not digital natives are afraid that the technology is taking over? I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yes. Next question. (laughs) Oh, wait, I better offer more than that. Um. What I found, it depends how the question is worded. I looked in that Common Sense Media some more, and there was a recent Pew Research study that had some different findings that showed, like, their view of social media when they were asked, is it a generally positive effect, or is it neutral, or is it more negative? Most said it was mixed, that it wasn't generally positive. And then also in the Pew Research study, nine out of 10 teenagers view technology use as problematic and six out of 10 view it as a major problem. But if they're asked, do you end up positive with technology? I think they're more likely to say, I do. Got but it. if it's the more general, okay. then they'll see it as more problematic. That's
0: interesting. And I think, again, like you said, it's a lot Easier to look at other people and see what they're doing and not necessarily feel as though you are doing the same thing. And I love your point about it being pervasive. And also that you just don't know. Because I think that's the tricky part with this, right? Is that like it becomes just kind of part of your existence. It's like a natural thing to just pick it up and check. And everything's on it. So your alarm clock is there and your music is there and your GPS is there. Right. And so suddenly you've got this phone that does everything. And so, of course, it's with you everywhere. Right. You know, of course, of course, of course. And
1: what's funny, like thinking about this is like if someone had a time machine. And they went back in time and they they had a smartphone and told our teenage selves, hey, look, I have this device that'll allow you to watch any MTV video you want anytime you want. Because at one time MTV had videos, any (laughs) TV show, any movie, you can contact all your friends and family, any video game that you can imagine in some way beyond your imagination and any bit of information you could ever want, right? I can give it to you in the palm of your hand. We would think, oh my God, this is the crew. We didn't even imagine no. such a device yeah. when we were
0: young. <laughs> now look at us. Right,
1: but if someone had said, Do you think having such a device would make you a lot happier? We all would have said, oh, of course, how could it not? Right, right. But the funny thing is societal happiness is trending downward. Now it's complicated, you know, like, well, there are many things that could cause that. Yeah, you can't blame it all on technology, but... It's not the panacea that people thought it might be. Um, one of my favorite quotes I ran across, you probably, you know, you can't look this up while I'm giving it to okay, you.
0: Okay, I'm not going to. Yeah, I promise, promise
1: not to, because okay. that's uh, that's not fair. It's the <laughs> Goliath of totalitarianism will be brought down by the David of the microchip. Ugh. Any guess who said that?
0: Probably Steve Jobs.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good guess. Very good. Very good guess. Ronald Reagan really? said it in 1989. Now, wow. now look how things have turned out. It's yeah. like, wait, I think he had that backwards. you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's like the promise of technology is brought with it, you know, a host of other problems. And again, not that it's inherently bad or anything. It's just that it's kind of a mirror and a lens. It magnifies, you know, what's best in us. Yes. And what's worst in us. I
0: love that analogy. And, you know, what you were saying makes a lot of sense, too, in that, you know, teenagers, they're digital natives, they're on their phones all the time. It's much more natural, I think, for them to sort of feel like it's a positive thing. It's no big deal or NBD, as they like to say. We might be doing the same thing, but it's not natural for us. And so I think it stands out more when we see other people doing it. Now, can you talk about how much screen time? Because I think that's a big question for parents. I know you see so many parents, you probably get this question all the time. But what is too much... And do you differentiate? Because yes. because that's a big deal, too. We get that. We actually have a Facebook group. It's called OutTech Your Kids. And one of the questions we got on that Facebook group was, you know, okay, I'm limiting screen time, but what if I have a kid who's learning Scratch? Or what if I have a kid who's using Raspberry Pi? You know, but then I have a kid who's watching gamers playing Minecraft for five hours in a row. Right. So talk a little bit about what you think is too much or what you tell parents. And then, you know, is there a difference?
1: Okay. So first, it's complicated. It's nuanced. And I present on this topic a lot to parent groups, but some schools and sure. things like that. And this is one of the most common questions asked. And from what I gather in the research, it's about two to three hours per day of recreational screen time is at which time the negatives start to outweigh the positives in general now you know of course that depends on the type and you know the kid there's so many variables there but it seems to be about two to three hours of recreational screen time per day and then it isn't like some sudden drop off, like they drop off a cliff all of a sudden. <laughs> it, it just it just starts to outweigh the negatives, start to outweigh the positives. Okay. And this seems to be because if we spend too much time on our screens, we are not getting some of our basic hardwired needs met in a way that... I don't know, nature intended, like evolutionarily, we were meant to, for instance, have a certain amount of sleep per okay. night. And okay. that really hasn't changed in thousands and thousands of years. And one place that parents really need to step in and, and put on the brakes is if kids are staying up way too late, yeah. you know, messing yeah. around on their screens. Because even though it's fun and enticing and uh, interesting, there's so many things to do and they may not feel tired, our body's need for sleep hasn't changed. So, what will happen is if a kid's staying up, even learning programming, but they're staying up till 1 a.m. on school nights and getting six hours of sleep per night, the sleep deprivation is correlated with about every negative health outcome you can imagine yes
0: and it's amazing because i fight constantly with my kids well um my friends get to stay up till 11 o'clock like my 11 year old you know and i'm like no my thing is like if you're waking up every morning i've got to wake you up you're grouchy we're fighting in the morning. That tells me that you went to bed too late. Like there are things that I see in the morning and then especially in the evening. Cause the thing is like kids get overtired. Right. And then right. they're like, they don't feel tired. Like I feel like there's a window yes. where they feel tired and then they don't feel tired. And then they feel energized, which actually means they're super tired.
1: <laughs> right. And this circles back to something we were talking about earlier is parents We see their mood diminish. We see they're crabbier, they're more reactive, grouchier, all these different things. They may not see it. They may not know that their mood and their emotions are taking a hit, but we see it So that's one of those things that when there's too much screen time, what happens is other need-satisfying activities like sleep, physical activity. Yeah, I was going to
0: say, what are the other ones? Because I know you talked a lot about happiness, and I find that interesting just in terms of that in-person time, because that common sense study, not to keep going back to that, but they did say that kids are spending significantly less in-person time with their friends or with people. Yes. And so you mentioned sleep, you mentioned physical activity, which is important. But I imagine like happiness and in-person time is another one, right? Like we need other people. Exactly. We need other people. We do. We
1: need other people. And that goes back to when you talked about the digital natives, even though they're digital natives from an evolutionary standpoint, they are not. From the brain standpoint, technology is very foreign. So interacting through text, through Snapchat or any social media form is very foreign. In a similar way, like if we say, let's look at the foods we eat, you know, there's an obesity epidemic in America. A crazy stat for our listeners is in 1990, there was not one state in the United States with over a 15% obesity rate. In 2016, there is not one state in America with under a 20% obesity rate. Wow. That is crazy. In a very short amount of time, right. the foods we eat, we cannot adapt to that yeah. fast enough. Evolutionarily, it's just no. Yeah, that's
0: staggering. It
1: is very sobering. If, yeah. if someone were to say, well, we just eat cheeseburgers, french fries, and drink soft drinks, that's what we eat now. Well, just because it's average doesn't mean it's healthy.
0: And that's a great point. Just because it's average doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right thing. And I think it's hard for parents because, you know, you were talking about food, but I think what you're getting at is it applies to technology, too, because they're seeing other kids are doing this, you know, like right. other kids are doing that. And they're like, oh, well now, well, now we have technology. I've heard that before. Well, we didn't have technology like this 20 years ago. Well, that doesn't matter is what you're saying. It doesn't matter. You still need to sleep. Yes. You still need to eat good foods and you still need to have interaction with other human beings.
1: Exactly. And some of the research on happiness, and longevity shows that deep interpersonal connections load very high on our happiness and longevity, and so do our day-to-day little interactions. The conversation with our neighbor when they used to pick up their paper or whatever, their water in their lawn, Mm -hmm. and we chit-chat in a checkout line, we just started a conversation next to us with, uh, I just had one yesterday because I was (laughs) wearing a shirt with Joy Division on the front and uh, the guy started, yeah, and the guy started talking, oh, I like that shirt. I love Joy Division. And we just had this nice conversation that unfolded in a very organic, natural way where we had a shared experience that was very bonding. But you know, is small, but those add up over time. And I think, yeah, they do. And, uh, when they're being lost because we are on our phones, I think that there's a danger there again, not dropping off a cliff, but this subtle way that it's eating away at our happiness that we don't even realize it. Well, that
0: makes it harder too, doesn't it? Because as parents, I think we're keyed into the big moments, right? Like your kid falls down and hurts himself or herself, or they break a leg, or they've got a fever. Like we're, prepared for those big signaled things. And I think it's the nuance that's so challenging. Like you said, it's possible that they could go for four or five hours and you don't necessarily see the effects, you know, like as like they've fallen down and they can't get up, you know what I mean? Right. And so that makes it so challenging as parents to keep up with this. But I love the idea of giving ourselves those markers, but looking at it from a health standpoint. I bet that speaks well to parents, right? Like you, Because parents are all keyed into their child's health. Like that's important to us, right? We want to keep them alive. We want them to be healthy. And so I love that approach. I'm curious to know what you think about using screen time as punishment because I know a lot of parents out there, that's what they do. I've been one of them where it's like, if you don't do XXX, you don't get your screen time. Should screen time, and I've heard this before, should screen time be just a regular part of our everyday? Is it something that is a privilege? Like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I have three boys of my own. I have a 15-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 7-year-old. Okay. And so I'm in the thick of it. You are, you are. It isn't easy. <laughs> and, and I'll <laughs> nope. say, I study this stuff. I know, you know, it isn't easy, and I don't want to, you know, make it seem like I got everything all figured out uh, because we struggle the same way that a lot of families do with this and there are no easy answers. I think if you ask this question to like 10 different professionals, you might get 10 different answers. Probably. Um, I would say (laughs) there's a big it depends. Sure. Um, I I think as a logical consequence, I like when kids misuse screen time that they lose some screen time. Uh, So let's say you had uh, limits on your child's playing video games and they got up at 1 a.m. and you caught them playing Fortnite on a school night at 1 a.m. Yeah. Well, a logical Consequence would be they lose video game time. Got it. But we don't want to get uh, this where it just becomes this constant tug of war, or push and pull that our screen time we're holding this over is a threat all the time. Well, I'll just take away your phone. I'll right,
0: just right, right.
1: Yeah, it becomes this you know way that we're trying to hold power over our kids. That
0: makes sense. And I
1: worry about that is an effective. Punishment or consequence is one that you don't have to use too often. If you're having to use it frequently, yeah. that tells you it doesn't work.
0: Oh, that is good to know. Yeah.
1: I, I like what's called collaborative problem solving okay. is sitting down with our kids and giving them a voice in this. And it doesn't okay. mean they get to dictate everything. But All let's right. just say you're having ongoing battles over you know, screen time with video games, and they won't end when you say it's time to end. Sure,
0: which is common. That's common. Which is
1: very common. And it's common with
0: YouTube video watching. And my feeling is that because, first of all, the videos just keep going. And second of all, they don't have even watch times. Like when we were kids, I'm just going to assume you're close to my age, Dr. Brooks. And so basically, shows were 30 minutes or an hour. So you could say you have 30 more minutes or you can watch one more show. Well, on YouTube, one more show could be an hour and a half or it could be seven minutes. Right. One more game on a video game could be two minutes or 25 minutes. Right. That makes it challenging for parents.
1: Right. And so one of the strategies here is don't try to solve the problem while the problem is happening. It's Ah, going to be too emotionally charged. So what you want to do is say something like, well, I know you like watching YouTube and we do allow you screen time and we've decided that, you know, whatever, we've negotiated and you get an hour of that per day. But we notice that when it's time to stop, it's been very difficult. Have you noticed that, that we've gotten in some battles over it? What we want to do is create, it's a shared problem yes. because if we're fighting over it, our kids aren't happy either.
0: Right. They don't right, like right.
1: to be fighting with us. So yeah. what we want to do is we're in this together it's not me versus you it's both of us in this together trying to figure out a different way i love that to do this yeah and so we do you have any ideas you know you don't you don't like it when i'm nagging at you into you gotta turn it off and we start like bickering at each other yes. do you have any ideas about what we could do different and that doesn't mean we got to take their, well, you just give me three hours a day and I'll be fine. Well, no, that's not going to happen. But right, let's think right. of a different way. Yes. And you come up with some different strategies and say, well, let's try this. You know, we came up with this different idea about this warning system and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Let's try it for a week and see how it goes. And then we'll reconvene. And, you know, if it works, great. If it doesn't, then let's come up with something different because I don't think this is working for. Anybody. Yeah, Yeah. and
0: I think that kids own it more when they're a part of it.
1: Exactly. Yes,
0: we're adults, but we don't want people to tell us what to do either. You know what I mean? Like, we want to be a part of, you know, figuring out the problem. And does that work for younger kids as well? Like, is this something that you're using with, say, like a six or seven-year-old? Or is there a
1: different approach? Yeah, I have a seven-year-old and I, you know, I can tell you that... (laughs) When, when they're young, and you've seen this too, they yes. have a very difficult time putting an end to screen time. Yeah, I have a seven year old. So we're in the yeah. same
0: camp. And yeah, my, yeah, my seven year old is, th- I think, the most challenging out of all of them.
1: Yeah, you can use this collaborative problem solving with them. You'll have to kind of water it down a sure, bit. Sure, sure. Yeah, and again, making sure you do it outside of the problem happening. And, you know, sometimes we have to connect the dots for them because that's, you know, part of uh, being kids that they don't always see the big picture and we're trying to connect some of the dots and help them think through things. But you can start with them younger But as they get older, especially teenagers, they have a very strong need for autonomy and to self-regulate. And ultimately, if we're managing everything for them, how are they going to learn to develop the skill of self-regulation?
0: Such a fantastic point. And I think that not only applies to digital life, it applies to a lot of things. It applies to food. It applies to activities and our schedule, right? Like it's not just being able to self-regulate when it comes to our own technology. I, I see that skill for teenagers and for people is invaluable, right? Like, I want my kids to be able to, like, get off when they need to get off and know that I have to stop now because I have other things to do, right? you know, because that's part of, like, existing as a human in the world.
1: You're exactly right, Kristen. And instead of thinking of technology as this separate beast or problem, it's really nested under the overarching parenting that we do. Yes. And that we're trying to teach them skills and help them on this path in life. But some of it, there's the school of hard knocks and none of us, if we look back in time, I mean, for one, the only reason we didn't use smartphones when we were young is because we didn't have them. Totally.
0: So in,
1: <laughs> I, will, I no agree with you on that judge.
0: one. Exactly. Yes,
1: I, I was a hardcore gamer. You know, I, they had me at hello. Yeah. <laughs> and this is true. true story. If Did you watch Stranger Things?
0: I did, did not. Oh, if okay. Liz was only that here. that Liz? Liz yeah, Liz, is Liz the loves the Stranger Things. I'm the one who's too scared to watch Stranger Things. But you can use it because I know our listeners have loved it. So go for well, it.
1: Well, <laughs> there's a arcade game in season two that Dustin is playing called Dragon's Lair. And it okay. was a laser disc game. And it was the first of its kind. And my first job I had was at a pet store when I was 14 years old. And that game came out. And it was 50 cents a pop back then. And that uh, was 1982, I think. I spent all my paychecks on Dragon's Lair, 50 cents a pop. And I once, when <laughs> I grew up in Houston, and this is no joke, Hurricane Alicia hit Houston. And when it, the eye of the hurricane was over where I lived, I was so into Dragon's Lair, I took my Schwinn bicycle and rode it four <laughs> miles to oh, no. the 7 through the eye of a hurricane <laughs> so I could play Dragon's Lair. At the you 7 just quoted 11. Hamilton.
0: <laughs> Hamilton came to the United States in a hurricane, and you rode your bike to play Dragon's Lair. <laughs> we
1: have a lot in common. Yes, yeah, I, I like. thanks for Hamilton. drawing that connection. For I me. did.
0: Well, <laughs> so you speak from experience, and I think it's funny because I know a lot of parents are like, "Well, we were never like this," but we we were like we we just had other things, and our things weren't as technologically advanced. And I really want to just hit that point home that you made that this is parenting because you know we have a, we have a tech website for parents called Cool Mom Tech, and we say this all the time, that this is just part of what you do as a parent now. Like, parents, I feel like, are ambivalent about it or they feel scared, or they don't want to deal with it. And so kids are like, can I have this? And they're just like, sure. And you're like, you're 11-year-olds on Instagram? Like, come on, with a public account? Like, you don't know what's going on. Like, this is part of parenting now. Right. And I love the idea of taking it back to, like, this is what we do as parents. It's just part of our everyday. And when we treat it like that, I imagine for a lot of parents that you work with, It's a lot easier, perhaps, I'm I'm thinking, to accomplish goals, right? Because they're not afraid of it. Because I think there are a lot of parents that are just like, I'm scared of this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what that Snapchat is. So just go ahead and do it. (laughs) It
1: just folds under our parenting. And just like we want to guide them in other things, uh, we want to guide them in this. And in that respect, again, goes back to the role modeling that we have to uh, twist on the Gandhi quote, we want to be the change we want to see in our kids. Yes. You know, that's really critical. It's hard to do. And it's ever evolving. The moving target of it. Uh, We're only at the tip of a very formidable iceberg. So I'd say be concerned as a parent, but don't panic.
0: Yay. Well, so many parents are living in that, I think. And you said from the beginning that a lot of this, which is I think probably the biggest challenge, right, Dr. Brooks, is a lot of this is about us. Right? It's really right. not so much about our kids and how they're using it. A lot of it is how we are using it in the example that we're setting and the ways that we feel about it in general. And so that I think is scary because like you go to talk to a therapist and you're like, yeah, you know what? This person has a problem. And then you leave and you're like, oh crap, I'm the one with a problem.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I do that a lot. I'm like, well, I'm recommending this to my client. And I'm like, I think I need to do it. I
0: think I need. Well, that makes you a fantastic psychologist. All right. So, of course, all of this stuff that you're talking about, people can find at techhappylife.com, and I'm sure they can find in your new book Tech Generation: Raising Balanced Kids in a Hyperconnected World. And of course, we want to give a shout out to your co-author,
1: Dr. John Lasser. So, Dr. he's John a Lasser. professor at Texas State University and my good friend and colleague on this uh, crazy journey that we've been on. Well,
0: we're so glad people are out there helping parents so I want to know like as we close our discussion your book it's available everywhere wherever you find books Amazon Barnes and Noble you can pick it up if it's not at your local bookstore ask them for it but what are you hoping that parents are going to get out of this I mean already I can tell that you approach this from a non-panicky very balanced like don't be afraid it's not terrifying you know and so I, I gather that's how the book is going to be But when people pick this up, what are you hoping that parents are going to get when they read through it and reference it?
1: I hope that they get some solid strategies that can help them and that, going back to what you said, that they're not out of panic and fear, that they know that there are some practical strategies and some little changes that they can make that can have a big impact and that these are based on research, that they aren't just, you know, a pulled them out of the air. We uh, based this on, you know, child development, attachment theory, parenting style, evolutionary psychology, uh, the research on uh, the neuroscience of it. So we took all those things and we developed this model. We call it the tech happy life model that has four levels. And the, the base is the relationship and building the relationship. And that's where Everything starts. Our influence as parents is dependent on the strength of our relationship with our kids. That makes sense. So we invest in the relationship time and doing things with them to build the relationship. And then the next level up, is the green light or preventative. The best way to uh, stop these problems is preventing them on the front end, just like health problems. Eating healthy, not smoking, don't drink too much, you know, get plenty of sleep. That prevents a lot of physical health problems. In the same way, we have these preventative efforts so that the tech use doesn't get out of hand or become too problematic to begin with. And then the yellow light is how to address emerging concerns, kind of okay. nip them in the bud. Yes. Just like if your, if your blood <laughs> pressure gets a little high, the doctor <laughs> might say, hey, you can change your diet, exercise more. Then the red light is... When strong intervention is necessary, when things are really out of control and you got to put on the brakes um, and that could be safety issues like texting and driving. It could be chronic sleep deprivation because a kid's staying up till 1 a.m. every night playing Fortnite or something like that. So that model provides an organizing framework for helping manage the challenges of technology. I
0: love that and it makes perfect sense to me and I assume to other parents because it's the green, yellow, red that we're all used to and familiar with. And I love that it allows parents who are at different places in this whole digital parenting journey to get something from it because you may have folks that don't need an intervention right now. Um, They're in a good place and they just want to maintain that. And you may have parents like you said who are like emergency situation so I think that is so helpful. And I can't wait for folks to get this in their hands. Um, let me just tell everyone the title again. It's called Tech Generation, Raising Balanced Kids in a Hyperconnected World. It came out in August. Look for it. We're going to link it up and everything we spoke about over on Cool Mom Picks. We have a spawned podcast page. And if folks want to find you, Dr. Brooks, tell everybody your website and where we can find you on social media.
1: TechHappyLife.com is my main Website for all of this, so they can find me there. I have a YouTube channel too uh, awesome. for Tech Happy Life. Okay. Um, and I blog at Psychology Today under Tech Happy Life. I'm on Twitter at Tech Happy Life. I post more than engage, but those other places are the best places to find me. And I want to add one little tip, if I can, at the end uh, for um, listeners that I say often when I present, to the extent that we use our technologies to facilitate and enhance our in-person connections, we're going to come out ahead. It's when we use our technologies in a way that displace, replace, or interrupt our in-person connections too much that we're going to take a hit. So we definitely can come out ahead if we use our technology wisely and judiciously. I
0: love that. Thank you. What a perfect way to end this conversation. And I know that you're going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week, right? Yes. Okay. So we'll get to those right after this. All right. So if Liz was here, I would be like, Hey, Liz, how about our awesome sponsor Epic is back? And Liz would say... Why, Kristen, you know how much our listeners love Epic. And then we would go back and forth about how awesome Epic is. But Liz isn't here, but that doesn't matter. Because guess what? I love Epic more than maybe me and Liz combined. You know, my daughter Bridget came home from school the other day. She's seven years old. She's in the second grade. And she is working on her reading skills. And she was like, Mom, can I get on my iPad and play Epic? And I said, yes, Bridget, actually you can because you know, as we've been talking about on today's show, there are so many things that kids can do on their screens. But one awesome positive thing that I'm happy to have my kids use is the Epic app. It's an award-winning digital library that gives kids 12 and under unlimited access to, get this, over 25,000 of the best books out there. And we're talking about popular books, things that your kids and my kids. I've got four of them. They're all using Epic. Okay. It's true. All of them things that they love. So Fancy Nancy for my seven-year-old. There's National Geographic Kids, which my 11-year-old loves. The Chronicles of Narnia, Goosebumps, A Series of Unfortunate Events, which my 14-year-old loved. So they've got everything that you can think of all in their library. And what's so cool is it's not just books. And by the way, we're talking picture books, chapter books. They've got audiobooks didn't even know that. They've got graphic novels, nonfiction titles, educational books. They've even got videos. And parents, let's just talk about this for a minute. It's a safe, kid-friendly environment with no apps or in-app purchases. Can you hear? Can you hear the angels singing right now? Because I can. Yes, we love that. And Epic is personalized for each child based on the reading level and their interests. And if you're like me and you have a gaggle of children, or even if you're not and you just have two kids, that's cool. They each get their own profile so that you can track their reading and you can get book recommendations that are appropriate for their level. And by the way, can we just say how challenging that can be to find the right book? for your kids, you know, if you're hitting up friends and hitting up teachers, you know, that can be really challenging to find the stuff that they're interested in. And so that's one thing that Epic does really, really well. And here's the bonus. If you didn't love that all already, Cool Mom Picks people, our spawned listeners, yes, you, you are going to get two months free when you use the promo code Cool Mom. You can go to get. Epic.com. You can get two months free with the code cool mom, but you've got to do it by Tuesday, October 2nd. And just let me tell you that Epic is in over 90% of schools. So there's a good chance that your kids are using Epic at school. So why not keep that awesome reading and learning going on in your home and get it on your own gadgets too. So head over to get epic.com, use that code cool mom and get two months free. Okay, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And Dr. Rooks, you're our guest, so you get to go first. And I can't wait to find out what you picked.
1: Well, I have to go with something that's near and dear to my heart. And it's something that, as a teenager, I was very embarrassed about and kind of... uh, maybe even ashamed of it, but now that I'm a grown-up, I, I no longer am, and so <laughs> I'm just going to out myself as I play Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, yes, yes, the fantasy right. role-playing a game. A little D&D. Yes, yes, oh. little D&D. And, and
0: <laughs> How perfect, for especially for a conversation about technology and gaming. It's perfect, and it's back, right? It, I feel like it never went away, but it's very yeah, it's, popular it's, it's again, back. right?
1: fifth edition rules. I play with all three of my kids and we'll play till late in the evening. I have friends we play with too, neighbors, and the imagination is powerful. Alive and well, there is magic in our imagination. And, you know, if your kids, if you have kids out there that are at all a little nerdy, like they like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and things like that, Most likely, they will love... Dungeons and Dragons, which is like you get to be the hero. You live it out.
0: I feel bad for ever making fun of anyone who ever played Dungeons and Dragons. So look what you just yes. did. You changed me, Dr. Brooks. <laughs>
1: well, I, I, I want to change America. I think It needs to catch on even, even more so because uh, there are D&D clubs at schools. I dig so it. So they can ask about that. And some bookstores, and especially if they like a fantasy-themed uh, bookstore – Um, or gaming store, they have Dungeons and Dragons nights, like where you open play, so you can look at, especially bigger cities, they'll have that. And, you know, I encourage parents to check it out because when kids sink their teeth into that, something very magical can often happen. And it's in person. You got your friends right there. Yeah. You're a team together experiencing this adventure as it unfolds. It is, it's powerful stuff.
0: I love it. Okay. I'm going to have to look into that. Maybe
1: more for Liz. Liz might like, Liz might be a D and
0: D fan. We're going to have to find out. We're going to have to find out if she's more of a D and D fan than I am. But I love that. Thank you so much for picking that. My pick is, is technological, but in a binge watching kind of way, which I don't know if I should be recommending binge watching on the show, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's my new favorite show. It's Jack Ryan, and it's available on Amazon Prime. Are you a Jack Ryan fan, Dr. Brooks? Are you familiar? Hunt for Red October? I I know
1: Jack Ryan, and it's uh, from The Office. Yes, he is. It's so
0: funny. Everyone's like, it's the guy from The Office. Well, I have to say, it's fantastic. It's very well done. It's highly entertaining. It's, you know, a nail-biter, and yell at the tv kind of intrigue. And it's just my new favorite show. I know everyone's always, everyone always likes to hear recommendations from other people, right? When you need a new show. So that's my pick of the week. I think the casting is great. I will say this the first episode, folks, is a little slow. You got to hang in there. So hang in there, stay with it. You
1: convinced me I'm going to watch it, I'm going to check it out
0: perfect. So that's my pick, Jack Ryan. Just remember, everyone, that we are going to link up Dr. Brooks' book, Dungeons and Dragons, my pick of the week, and everything that we talked about over on CoolMomPics.com on our Spawn page. Uh, So don't worry if you missed anything. Well, Dr. Brooks, thank you so much for joining us on Spawn. It was so great to talk to you. It was
1: wonderful to be here, Kristen. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And we can't wait to hear from our folks. If you have questions for Dr. Brooks, you can of course find him at Tech Happy Life, but you can also, tweet us. We're Cool Mom Picks. Use the hashtag Spawn Show. You can drop us an email, Spawned at CoolMomPicks.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram, but hopefully not as much after we listen to this podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Man, we miss Liz when she's not here, but she'll be back for our next episode. Don't worry. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. And hey, we love hearing from you so who's gonna step up and drop us an email or tweet us at cool mom Picks using the hashtag spawn show or hit us up on facebook or even better please leave us a review on itunes and make sure to subscribe you can do it right now while you're listening don't do it while you're driving but anywhere else you're listening to me do it right now and then be sure to download our episodes it actually helps other listeners find spawn thanks so much for listening to spawn this is Kristen. Have a great day.